This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Dan Kay. Hello there. Neil McDonald. Hello. And Paul Philbin. Hello. Now, we're recording this episode with Liverpool one point cleared at the top of the Premier League table with 11 games of the season to go. But if you believe some people, Liverpool blew their chance of winning the title with a 0-0 draw at Manchester United on Sunday. Certainly in the pub, I was watching the game in. The, the mood was pretty downbeat amongst Reds fans. But Paul, Dan, you were there on Sunday at Old Trafford. What was the reaction of the 3,000 away supporters in that corner of the ground? Um... Well, I think initially, you know, virtually within 10, 15 second, seconds of the whistle blowing, you know, the, the three and a half thousand Reds in there were belting out Liverpool, Liverpool top of the league, and, and rightly so. That doesn't mean to say that there weren't conversations happening within that away and touching on some of the frustrations that I think were maybe more visible to you and others in boozers around the city and up and down the country, probably all over the world. But I think publicly, and I think as, we, we'll, as we'll touch on a bit, as Jurgen Klopp made the point in his press conference today, Liverpool have to present a positive United front. There's plenty of people out there that are only too, only too willing, ready and able to start pouring cold water on our aspirations without us doing it for ourselves. It obviously wasn't the perfect result. Uh, it wasn't, clearly was far from being the perfect performance. But four points off Man United in any season isn't necessarily to be sniffed at. Obviously, you can argue it's an opportunity miss when you look at the players that they were missing and obviously the, the way the game panned out and the players that went off there. But, but Liverpool weren't at full strength either. Um, we were already without some key players going into it and Firmino went off early who I, I've been banging on for a long time is, is absolutely fundamental and key to the way we play so yeah it was it, it could have been it could have been better but it could have been a lot lot worse yeah I totally agree with what Dan's saying there like it, to me it felt like when we went to Arsenal in November and we drew 1-1 and there was an absolute like meltdown after that <laughs> because City were winning game after game and so were we and People were saying you can't you can't drop any points in this this season because then you're behind from the get go and yeah as Dan said like there was a lot of people singing Liverpool top of the league and I was and then I also had a discussion with a few mates and was like not saying that we block well kind of giving them a bit of a reality check really saying there's 19 other teams who would rather be in our position right now so you just got to go on from there but that I. Out of our remaining games, you look at that one and go, that's a tough one. And it's absolutely fine to draw at Old Trafford. I've mentioned it before in other podcasts as well. The Chelsea team under Mourinho, just these big games, the mentality was, just don't lose. Mm. We didn't go to Old Trafford not to lose, we went to win the game. But these big games, sometimes it's just worth getting the points and getting out of there without... Alright, for me, no stuff was a bit of a worry, but apart from that, just get the points and just the, sometimes you just got to accumulate these points instead of batting teams week in, week out. Well, I know some people would rather have that, but it's not going to happen, is it really? Neil, just to pick up on a point Dan made there about almost like outside of Liverpool fan base, outside of Anfield, that. I I really understood this. I was watching the game on on Sunday from the pub on the on the box, and Mo Salah had, had a bad game by by his high standards. And there's a picture of him looking forlorn on the bench. I don't know if you've seen it. And I just yeah, thought there's like a narrative going on here, isn't there? Like I think maybe people are trying to paint it that Liverpool are, are slipping. You know, City are just relentless. But as you say, top of the table. No, it's, it's ridiculous. I think there's we've had this throughout these when we whenever we do these pods, there is a definite narrative among people who don't want us to um to win the league. I think they asked 
was it Sky who asked United fans who they would want to win the league and almost all of them said City, which seems crazy <laughs> um, in that kind of situation to, to vote for, you know, your nearest rival over, I mean, all right, probably your most hated rival. Um, it, it is a definite agenda. I, I just think it's nonsense and should be, um, should be treated as such. I mean, with the United game, the thing that looking back now would benefit of hindsight, I think it's a shame that they lost against PSG because if they hadn't have done that, I think they'd have come in much more on the bounce. Whereas I think perhaps that was a, you know, a bit of a, an eye opener for Solskjaer um, and maybe just, I mean, I know there were other factors why they changed their approach, but I think that perhaps made them think we can't go all out against the very best because if we do, you know, they've been going along winning game after game and all their fans were convinced, oh, we're going to beat you at Old Trafford, we're going to, you know, you'll lose the league at Old Trafford and all that stuff, Ole at the wheel. And it, I think them losing at PST probably was a bad thing for us because it just made them take a step back and reassess where they were. Whereas, it, you know, as it was, we still could have beat them. But yeah, I agree with the lads. You know, it's not a bad, it's not a bad result. And they'll be, you know, for that to be a bad result, you would have to say it only becomes a bad result if we drop more points and City are relentless. And both of those are, you know, unlikely. to. I can't see City winning every single... I mean, if they no, do, no if teams no. do that, then you have to set... You have you to hold your But it's, you know, there's no reason by that logic why we can't do that. You know, we've got the derby. It's tough because it's a derby, but it's not tough if you look at the forms of the team. We should batter them. Mm. Um, you know, and, and hopefully we will. So... Yeah, I think that there is that narrative, but it's nonsense and should be treated as such. I'd, yeah, I absolutely agree with what Neil said. I'd, I'd, I'd factor in, as well as the PSG result, I think the way the first 25 minutes of that game went on Sunday with them losing two key players, I think that altered their approach as the game went on in. But you know, I do think they would have been more progressive and attacking if they hadn't lost two players by 25 and, and had to make three subs by... By half time. The other thing I'd, I'd kind of like to pick up on what Neil mentioned then is absolutely, you know, of course, there's a narrative that plenty of people don't want to see Liverpool in the league. You know, Schadenfreude is a massive part of football. We love it when United and Everton slip up. That, that's how it is. But what is real nonsense is this kind of perception, this idea that if Liverpool don't win it, they've bottled it mm. or they've slipped. They've, they've won 20 out of 27 matches. You know, a couple of months ago, we were talking about breaking records that didn't just go back to 1992 and the all-singing, all-dancing Premier League era, but to 1888 when league football began. You know, we're having a phenomenal season, but we're up against arguably one of the greatest teams English league football has ever seen, who are still, you know, they broke records last year and they haven't exactly dipped far below that this year. We've, you know, the bar's been massively raised and we've raised with it. So, there's, you know, there was, there was always going to be ups and downs and maybe slightly levelling off points where you need, where the manager, the club, the players, the fans as well need to kind of almost take a step back and reassess, look at the landscape and figure out, well, this is what we're doing, this is what we might be able to do better, this is what we need to do to get where we're going. It's, you know, social media plays a big part in it, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? And I think you you have to kind of try and get out of that echo chamber a little bit sometimes and, and look at the the bigger picture rather than just... You know, empty vessels making the most noise. 
Billboard, how do you counter against that kind of outside noise? You know, we've we seen before the Bournemouth game that the Spine Cop 1906 uh, group came out and Kenny Dalglish said something, didn't he, as well? And I think, personally, a lot comes from the manager as well, Klopp. And I, I thought on Sunday there was times when he, he, he did look like a man, not under pressure, but he, he realised, I think Don King said it himself, he, he realised the magnitude of the game and the title race of the win. But certainly the press conference today on Tuesday, he cut a relaxed figure. His, his, his message was very positive, you know, when it was exactly the right thing to say is that what you've just got to keep on preaching positivity I know it sounds mad to say this with top of the league but you know uh, that's it and I think the fans need to just go with that as well because like I said to you yesterday um, I, I completely avoided social media after the game like on the coach because I just knew exactly what it was going to be like and then yesterday on Monday morning I just had a little look before I left for work and there was a lad and I cannot get my head around it said it's breaking his heart seeing us implode. Like, I'm not even lying. Like We're imploding like, with 11 games to go. One point clear of this great city side. It's crazy. I just think uh, people need a bit of a reality check with it all. Hmm. And <laughs> if I had my way, I'd be, if I could be like the stadium manager at Anfield, I'd be going... Let's make it happen, boys. Well, yeah, let, let's make it happen because what I'd say is... When you get up to that ground on, well, Wednesday night, have you got the bottle? Yes. You're allowed in? No. See you later, lad. You're not, you're not coming in. Bottle <laughs> test. Four <laughs> bottle minimum. <laughs> that, I, that, that's it. Like, there's no point in worrying about it because at the end of the day, it's a game of football. Like, if Liverpool win the league and have probably the greatest week of your life, if not, it's not the last opportunity that we have to win the title. Very true, that. I, th- I think, though, for, for me, um, in moment, these are the moments where these are the, the races that you want to be involved in. You know, this is what everyone would, in seasons where we've been miles away from this, yeah. everyone's been crying out to be involved in it. So now that we are, there's no sense, like, just panicking at the first... And not uh, enjoying it and taking yeah. all the enjoyment and, and lust and... and what are you in? What what do you go to football for? What, what what do you watch football for? To be uplifted, to have the buzz, have the excitement. If if all you're doing is allowing what might go wrong to cloud everything else, what's the point? Yeah, it's you, I mean, Klopp said it as as he says so many things, but you know, four words from doubters to believers, and there's no point having become believers then going back to being doubters. Mm. You know, that's what we are believers, and that's that's what everyone should be. You know. Um, believe and support the team and we'll, we will get over the line. It's as if people just want to accept that it's not going to happen, so come May, do you need to be overjoyed? Or because because it hasn't happened, does it? Yeah. Because yeah. you've been here and four And I do away. get it. I mean, yeah, well, I'm 41. Yeah, well, I started, I went, first went in 84, started going regularly in 91. So basically, for most of my adolescence and adult life, Liverpool have been nearly winning leagues. Obviously, we've won everything else. So I do get that my generation, Paul's generation, you know, have been conditioned to expecting them to ball it up somehow. So I, I do understand where it's coming from to a degree. But are you just going to... So people just prepared to, that, to let that just take hold and let negativity win? You know, this is where mental strength and togetherness is important. And, and you know, that's what our club, our city is built on, is based on. And people need to remember that. How does it compare to 13-14? Can you remember this kind of stage of that season? It's a bit. I would say it's a bit different because you know, realistically, from this season, I'd say really from the because of obviously how well we did get to the European Cup final last season, the progress we've made in three and a half, you know, three and three quarter years under Klopp, the players that we brought in. I think we all hoped 
a, you know, a, a, for a credible title challenge before it started in August. I think by the time we got to September, October, you know, it was clear that those hopes weren't just pie in the sky. There was a reality to that. In thirteen fourteen, I, you know, I know we won the first three games, and there were various moments here and there. I'd say it was. For me, it was supposed it was the five-one against Arsenal when I missed the first four goals in the first twenty minutes, <laughs> and then maybe the the Gerrard penalty at Fulham, which I think was round about this time. It was, it was late Feb. Yeah, it was a strange night. And United away mid March. That's when I really mm-hmm. started to believe that the, the Gerrard Fulham game. I remember Tottenham winning at Newcastle late winner, and at that time it was like us or them for fourth at the time, and then Gerrard's penalty went in, and I was in uni at the time, so I didn't go to Fulham that night. And I live with a Tottenham fan, and he went, I went to him, you think your result's big? That's massive mm. for us. Like, Because some games got cancelled as well, didn't they? City's game, because of the weather, I think Everton's game got cancelled. So we closed the gap and put a bit of pressure on sides. But, but the fact that you said then that kind of you were talking about us and Tottenham going for fourth, I think even at that stage of the season, yeah. for, you know, the main priority was let's... Get secure that place in the top four, no, and it. then see where we are. March, April. We had the we had it was just a mad streak of results, wasn't it? It Was eleven straight wins. Wasn't yeah, it? The, the and the the frustrating thing from that, which I mean, I'm trying not to ignore for this season, is we had this great set of results, and whereas in previous years or even since, other teams fell away. Unfortunately, City didn't. Mm. They just kept on, which is what you'd expect. They just kept on going, and it was hard to to take that but it was it was unexpected it wasn't like we'd yeah. been building to exactly. that and it was like it was well, of course it's like yeah. this because everything's in place it almost came despite um, the setup. and I think the fact it was so unexpected was shown at the end where we were looking for answers as opposed to the first team and didn't um, didn't have them you know and it, it cost us um, so I think that's probably the this feels much more like another step in a you know a, a sort of gathering of momentum at the club, getting everyone on board, recruiting well, having time for the players to learn Klopp's tactics and his desires and then to grow into that so it becomes second nature. And then adding on to that, you know, you had the great attacking this year, you've got the really rock-solid um, defence, you know, and top-quality players. So it feels this time like it's much more, the, not the culmination, because I'm sure that hopefully there's other stages to go, but the next level of a... A plan rather than a kind of flash in the pan based on which is sadly what that is what that proved to yeah, be yeah, yeah. Ba- based on like you know you're having a player in your squad who in the course of that season became one of the best players in the world um, and, and just upped his level uh, upped his level massively and other players you know like Daniel Sturridge had probably his best ever season um, Gerard really kicked on Henderson was immense that season yeah but didn't we concede something like fifty goals, wasn't it? Yeah, four, it was like forties. Like, I think we were. Wasn't it? I think on goals conceded, we'd have, you know, would have been something like eighth or ninth. You know, yeah. what I mean, and realistically, you can't win a league. Can just just pick on somebody else. Neil said he's absolutely right. You know, this, this. I think the reason why there's more pressure now is because this is the natural progression. We've spent the money, we've built, we've gradually. You know, we should be threatening. We should be threatening to win a league title. We are. But but we should be, and I think that's why there's much more expectation now. I think than what there was in thirteen fourteen. There's definitely a mentality change as well because I've just been thinking back to twenty thirteen fourteen then, and I can remember the first game that we sang we're going to win the league in twenty fourteen was Southampton away, which was at the margin of the mark. first. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say around this time, um, five years ago, and um, because I remember Sterling come on didn't he and scored, and scored in the thirty and, seconds. Yeah. 
like the celebrations, the celebrations for that goal, like when it went to two 0 was like, yeah, this is on kind of thing. Whereas I think the mentality this season has been, it's on from the start, but now we're panicking a bit mm-hmm. when it's it's completely different. Like because then it was we were chasing, but now we're the ones in like being chased. I think what hasn't helped as well with the whole kind of pressure thing is that, you know, right about Christmas time, when we, I think I'm right in saying if we'd won at City on January the 3rd, we'd gone 10 points clear of yeah. <clears throat> Now, you know, I certainly wouldn't have thought, oh, it's all over now. But I think that's still in people's heads a little bit, that kind of, oh, we could have had this massive lead and now it's only one or a level or, you know, obviously we've been second a couple of, you know, for spells of time in the last few weeks. But, you know... League title, you know, unless you get really, I'm not calling Leicester lucky because I still think what they did was fantastic five, six years ago. But obviously, it was a season where all the other big teams were either in transition or not delivering. And they ended up winning, I think they clinched the league with like 77, 78 points. The reality is, Liverpool, I think, you know, have to get mid 90s minimum. And there's every chance that not, that might not be enough. So that's how, that's how, that's how big the ask is. But so far, you know, virtually every question that's been laid down in front of Liverpool, they've answered. Now, there's, you know, we've reached a critical point now where <clears throat> there's all, you know, they, 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 there's no getting away from it. They haven't looked as convincing since Christmas, since the Arsenal game and the defeat at City. They've still been grinding out results and, and have been top for most of the time, but they haven't been had quite the same kind of authority. And obviously, the attacking players haven't. We scored. Is it five and six? Oh, Something I think we scored five goals in six games, but the other kind of major, major stat is that you know the the vast bulk of all our goals have come from the front three. I think the midfielders have only got six between them, and the defenders about four. So the the pressure. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying the pressure is starting to weigh on the front three because I don't think they've been necessarily getting the best service they could have been. <clears throat> but I think Klopp does need to look at it and realise that we he's we've got to kind of have maybe more than one way to skin a cat just to kind of get a few more goals out the squad as a whole because it might just, if if others start chipping in, it might just release a little bit of that tension off the front, the front lads. There's been a theme this season of Liverpool just doing it. <coughs> Sorry. What? Just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just doing enough to um, get the three points or just doing enough to get the draw against Chelsea and the late storage equaliser. It just feels like we might just do enough to win that league title, like that, and that would be kind of the theme of the whole season. With the way you think back to Huddersfield, the way Brighton at home, all these games where we just the one nil wins, it that could just be how the season unfolds. Really, it certainly wasn't the season in thirteen and fourteen. While we're on the subject, we've got to talk about Brendan Rodgers. He's uh, he's back, or he looks like he's going to be back in the Premier League by the time this podcast goes out with Leicester City. Do you think it's a good move for him? Are you glad to have him back in the Premier League. I'm, I'm surprised to be honest. I mean, I could, you know, and I've seen it sort of an interview with some Celtic fans just before, and they are genuinely devastated and gutted. I don't know if they necessarily expect him to stay there forever, but if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be thinking, well, if he's going to go, he's got to go to a big name. And with all due respect to Leicester, who I'm well aware have won a league title a lot more recently than what Liverpool have, you know, they're a solid Premier League club, and you know, I think there's a lot to admire about them. But it, it does seem a bit of a strange one. But yeah, I, I wish him well. You know, there were some Liverpool supporters who kind of. Don't talk about him in the most uh, pleasant terms of fraud this and fraud that and whatever. You know, as far as I'm concerned, he was one slip away from being immortal, you know, and, and he gave me one of the greatest seasons of my life and I'll always be grateful to him for that. That's history it, being unkind, you think? Or I mean, it, in the round, you'd probably say no. 
I think he did well for a time, but it, but when the wheels came off, I mean, geez, they, they really mm. came off. And um, I think going to Leicester was, while you, I, I understand what you're saying. It's not like a, if you're a Celtic fan, you think it's not that big a club. Mm. But as much as Celtic have dominated under him in Scotland, I think for him to get a move to what you would say is like a big club, Celtic would have had to have done something in Europe. Mm. He would have had to prove he could mix at that level. And he's never really done that at Celtic. You know, as much as they've cantered to the league and been unbeaten all this time and all that stuff, in Europe, they haven't had those sort of um, big results which would make people stand up and take notice. So I think... I think it's a good move. I think Leicester have got a better squad than their results show. Um, you know, I, th- I think they, they've got some really good players. You know, I definitely have, uh, is it Madison? Who got yeah, from number 10, yeah. Quality player, I, mean, I really like him. Um, if Liverpool are looking at, um, you know, someone to replace um, Lalana, perhaps, I think he could be that sort of player. So I think it's a, it's a good move and probably about as good as he could expect. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. Like Klopp for two and a half years of the three years he was there, it was all about this slow build up passing kind of thing. And then the one year where he just went away from that was the year that we nearly won the title. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I wouldn't say he's a fraud, but all in all he wasn't a great Liverpool manager. It was a great season. But for me, if I was him, I'd have stayed at Celtic. He's got the chance to be a god at Celtic by truly immortal. I could have won ten, ten, ten in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a great chance of that. So I, I don't know. I kind of get the impression. I do remember round about the end of the transfer window. I don't think he was able to bring in the players that yeah, he wanted to bring in. I think a lad went to Villa, then he found yeah. Hibbs for a couple of million. It was, McGinn, it, was, was it Dembele that yeah. the lad he brought in a couple of years ago the centre forward, and he was the, doing really well. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of got the impression, you know, for him to succeed at that level, obviously it's, it's all about what you do in Europe. But if he if he felt he wasn't getting the back in there, obviously there's so much money in the Premier League. I can see why he's done it. Yeah, I can see why he's done it, but also I can see why he would have stayed. Like, I know there's been issues with the board and a lot of Celtic fans are weird unhappy with that. But, yeah, I don't know. I'd have stayed a Celtic fan. I, I, think, it, I think if... Um... When Leicester comes to Anfield, I think he'll get a decent reception. I, I don't think people will. I don't. It's not going to be like a like Rafa, mm-hmm. but I think I don't think people would see any virtue in um, in giving him a hard time or anything. I, th- I think he'd get a decent reception. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'll have to wait till next season. But Christian Walsh uh, did an interesting tweet earlier this morning, Tuesday, uh, that on the penultimate weekend of the season, Leicester and Brendan Rodgers face Man City on the same day. Well, we say the same day, it'll no doubt change by then. Liverpool take on Rafa Benitez's Newcastle. That's going to be uh, an interesting one, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's mad these things that the fixture calendar can throw up. Um, when, and, and I'm sure, you know, regardless of what Reds fans feel about Brendan Rodgers, they'll all be open that he does us a favour. Um, he does us a favour then. Um, I mean, by rights, you know, hopefully, if you look at the the relative merits of those fixtures, we should win and City should win. But fingers crossed, you know, Leicester are no mugs. Um, I thought they were really unlucky um, when they played Spurs and they lost 3-1. Like Vardy missed a penalty. Um, and then they, when they eventually scored, Spurs got two goals sort of late on. But um, you never know. They could, they could. It's, it's an unknown quantity just how the players take to his 
his methods, and he is a good football coach from that point of view. When things are going his, uh, when things are going his way, so I guess we'll see. Can't wait for the title of Sky come up with for that weekend. It's be three, yeah. three on one or God knows what You'll it'll see be. All the mind yeah. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> there's another one as well. Like, uh, Christian Walsh, ex of our parish, or kind of still half of our parish, really, pointed this out. The, the When the TV fixtures were out, I think Friday last week. Uh, so Liverpool, we're always aware that Chelsea come to Anfield in April, just like they did five years ago. Slightly, it's about two weeks earlier this time. But um, I hadn't actually realised until they changed the games round. So Liverpool played Chelsea, I think, at two o'clock. And, uh, no, no, sorry. It's the, Basically, it's the other way around from 2013-14. Mm-hmm. So, so back then, Liverpool played Chelsea, and then, as, as we know, we lost. City went to Palace and uh, got the win they needed to go back in front. Now it's the other way around. Liverpool played Chelsea half an hour after Oof. Palace played City. So, it's. I mean, it's going to be fascinating. There's going to be, you know... This is what we want. Like Neil made the point before, how many seasons have we been like Oliver with a face pressed up against the window looking at a title race going, please let us in. We are in it. And there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be stressful moments. There's going to be joy, triumph, and everything in between. Um, And I just think we've just got to enjoy it and take it for what it is. You know, if if, we get 95 odd points and it's not good enough, I'm not going to be throwing it out saying, oh, well, it's been a terrible season, sack everybody. And it all starts with Watford on Wednesday night. Mm. So I think it's a pretty straightforward return to winning ways. They've you know, in good form, to be fair. Good side. I, I, I went to Vicarage Rose uh, towards the end of November and it, you know, the first half was a real battle, a real struggle. Liverpool ended up winning 3-0 in the end. But that didn't really <laughs> tell the story of it. Watford um, put five past Cardiff on Friday night away from home. Now, obviously, you know, I, it's fair to say Liverpool's defence is a bit better than Cardiff's. But they're a good side, having a, having a great season. They're absolutely no danger of relegation. They've got an FA Cup quarterfinals to look forward to, not too far off. And they will fancy their chances of coming to Anfield and making life difficult for us. So, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how the manager lines up. Kind of, you know, I've been listening to a few podcasts round and about, and I've heard a few people making the point that it really does feel like a kind of, a, a real kind of like turn, you know, turnpike, Sliding doors moment for the season. Um, and I hope he's going to send them out on Wednesday to get after Watford. Yeah, Maybe it might actually help. I mean, there was good news in the press conference today. It sounds like Firmino's injury is not as bad as no. what people were thinking. Probably, I'll be, I think we'd all be amazed if he, turned, if he turned out tomorrow. But the, from the sounds of it, there's a good chance he'll be available for Goodison on Sunday, which initially on Sunday, Monday, I was thinking it could be two or three weeks. But I, what I personally would like to see, I'd like to see him put Mo Salah in the middle. Uh, Mane on the right and Shakiri on the left. Now I know there's this you know a vogue thing about having your right footers on the left and the left footers on the right, and I can see the the merit and the benefit of that at times. But I just think when we're a team that's basically trying to recapture our attacking mojo, I think sometimes play the percentages, do the things you're good at, play you know do the basics well, and then once we've got hopefully a couple of good wins and a few more goals under our belt, then you can start to kind of experiment a little bit more again. You're thinking diamonds, aren't you? Yeah, I've mentioned this to you before. I had to go 4-4-2, bit of a diamond, Salah and Mane up top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just go all out. I'd, um, the reason I'd do it is because I think if you have Fabinho Holden and then one Liverpool attack and he can drop into the, like, with uh, next to Van Dijk and, I guess, Matip and the wingers, the full-backs can get further forward. So I think there's a, there's a chance of trying something like that because at the end of the day, Wofford are going to be tight, aren't they? They're going to be narrow. So... Might as well play narrow, but have the options ourselves with Trent and 
Andy Robertson out wide and see what happens. Before I come on to Trent, uh, Neil, it's quite interesting that neither Dan or Paul there have mentioned Sturridge. Would you be inclined to, to bring him in or do you think on Sunday United he just didn't do enough to, to justify a start? I mean, it's mad really. At the start of the season, he looked great. Um, you know, he looked electric and he got the goal against Chelsea and everyone thought he's going to be, you know, all right. It's probably going the last be, time he scored, unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be his last season, but he's going to go out with a bang kind of thing. But it's almost, he just looked disinterested. So I, I would be amazed if he started Daniel Sturridge. I think, I think Sturridge is kind of, while I'm sure he's still professional in training and all that sort of stuff, he just didn't look bothered. You know, you wonder at the start of the season whether he had one eye on a move. Um, I mean, I guess the flip side to that is it is a, well, no, that's nonsense. I was going to say it is a big game, but United away is a big game, mm. and he didn't look bigger. He didn't, didn't, a look, lot of yeah, time, he didn't he? look bothered in that. So, no, I don't. I wouldn't play him. Um, I like the idea of the the front three um, that uh, that you mentioned, Dan. Um, so, yeah, but I don't think one of those will be um, will be storage. I mean, it's a it's a shame, really, um, in all of this. And I know it can't be helped, but you just think. Not that you'd look to depend on him, but you wish um, Rian Brewster had been mm-hmm. fit, like as a real wild card, in the same way as I wish um, Alex Clay Chamberlain was perhaps a bit because because getting him in, um, even though at the moment we won't see you know probably the best of him, but even just getting him back in the squad as an option for twenty minutes off the bench would probably make a difference, and it certainly lift everyone at the moment when everyone's a bit tense. I think Brewster would probably be the same thing, but just as a total wild card to throw in and see what happens, who knows what difference that could um, that could make? Because I think, unfortunately, at the moment, if you throw in Sturridge and you throw in Origi, I think we all know what's going to happen, which is, uh, for now, not very much. Just touch on Trent, as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, we, when we were preparing for this podcast, uh, Paul, you sent some stats over, and it actually proved this season that Liverpool are averaging two point five uh, points per game with Trent in the side and it drops to 1.58 when really? he's not quite telling, it's it? quite t- that's quite a big difference isn't it and I, f- I thought on Sunday he was really missed you know I was maybe he's still a, he's still a kid he's probably going to play in these next two games you, you've got to be careful with burnout but if there was one sub I thought should have come on Absolutely. on Sunday it was Trent down that right hand side I could I could buy the starting level I could understand why he left them out of you because the, the previous game Bayern Munich was his first game back in quite a while and obviously I think Klopp actually said afterwards he did you know with you know, midweek games and a derby next week that was kind of part of his thinking but the way the game went um, you know, Milner got into so many good positions in that first half hour <laughs> and it was like you know when you're playing golf and you're over club by about mm-hmm. one he kept over club by about three or four we just could say that over and over again out of, you know over over the strikers heads and, and, and out of playing into touch um, I'm, I'm a huge Trent fan um, you know it, inevitably with a young player the level of his performance can vary a little bit sometimes and occasionally he's going to get caught out. I mean, possibly another reason he had a bit of a tough time at Old Trafford last year, didn't he? Against Rashford, you know, Rashford yeah. got in against him a couple of times and scored a couple of goals. But um, hope, you know, fingers crossed, if he, can stay, if he can stay fit and get a run of games under his belt, he's an enormous asset to us. You know, the experience that he's built up in the last couple of years, I think will certainly help him defensively, which obviously is your primary function as a fullback. But he will give us hopefully that extra quality in the final third that I think we've, we've been, well, everyone's rightly saying we've been missing. You know, there, there hasn't been an awful lot wrong with a lot of these performances. It's just the quality in the last third, that little bit more composed, that, you know, 
little bit of an extra, not necessarily an extra touch, but an extra half second just to get your head up and, and just to see what's about you and, and make the right decision. And yeah, Trent, I think, has got a big, big part to play for us this season still. It's quite interesting. Probably listens back to one of our podcasts before the last derby and we probably were having similar conversations wasn't quite clicking the results were still pretty good you know Everton were all those favourites going into yeah, it it certainly won't be the case this Sunday but we all remember what happened in December it, oh, it, it kicked Liverpool <laughs> on to, to new levels do you think the derby could be coming at the right time and equally you could turn around and say this is Klopp's headed it's Everton's World Cup final it could be the result that turns their season around as well but do you think this could be the, the right time for Liverpool to play them again football's mad like that isn't it I mean to be honest you know, I've have had an eye on this particular date for a while because you know, Liverpool were unbeaten completely in the league till early January and you know, I'm old. Me and Neil certainly are old enough to remember 1988 when Liverpool went 29. Neil actually went to a lot, quite a lot of games that season. He doesn't like to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> every second of every day. Um, <laughs> Wayne, Wayne Clark, Clark yeah, Wayne Clark. Yeah. We are probably old enough as well. Yeah, yeah. We are, sadly, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of had like you know a certain degree of trepidation about that in advance of it. Um, I think that's how Liverpool have to look at it. You know, there's absolutely no getting away from it. The the match on, I think it was the first of December or second of December, first weekend that it was uh, <clears throat> looked like it was drifting towards a nil 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 draw, and then the, uh, Virgil Van Dijk, the crossbar, Jordan Pickford's arms, and Divock Origi wrote themselves into Merseyside derby folklore. And since then, <clears throat> well, certainly until the last few weeks, it's almost like the two clubs' fortunes were going in diverging directions. Our season seems to take off, and Everton's season seems to completely tail away. Um, it's a big week for Everton. They've got Cardiff away tonight, and obviously this on Sunday. Obviously, Silver's been under a lot of pressure. The season has not panned out how any of the Blues wanted. But as we all know, and the same applies to us when we've been having lousy seasons as well, a big win against your big rivals can pay for overall kind of manner of cracks. That might actually help us a little bit because it might mean that Everton actually come out and look to kind of take the game to us and that might <clears throat> that might give Liverpool some space to exploit and take advantage of. But a derby is a derby is a derby is a derby. You can't predict them. <clears throat> I think um, I, th- I think the key um, in the derby for Liverpool is to is to come out the blocks and hopefully get an early goal. I think if we do that, then I think Everton will lose will lose their heads and, and lose interest. I think the longer it's like a sort of yard dog scrap. I think well, um, United made it almost on on Sunday. Yeah. Like, they reminded me of an Everton on the Moyes. You know the kind of way he approached, they took to the game kind of thing. What we've got will hold almost. I think that's it. So I think the sooner Liverpool hopefully can get the nose in front, the the better, and the more chance then that we go away and win relatively comfortably. I don't want it to be like last time where it's like because they'll, I'm sure he'll go into it. The Everton's approach will be keep it tight. And we'll, you know, if we get to like seventy and it's nil nil or one one, then we then we can see. But f- from Everton's point of view, they'll be thinking: the longer we do keep it tight, the more nervous and unsettled Liverpool will get. So that I think an early goal for Liverpool has to be key. You know, we have to come out the blocks and really go for them, um, silence the crowd, and you know, really just reinforce the Everton players. They are having a bad season, and this is why. You know, because you're not you're not as good as us. Um, so that that would be my. Um, sort of guiding light is to come out and really try and you know put your foot on the uh, put your foot on the throat and not take it off until your superiority yeah exactly so go on then before we finish come half six on Sunday we'll have have got six points out of six out of Watford and Everton I'll let Paul add to that first yeah 
I'm going to say yeah as well. I don't think it'll be easy. I think there might be one or two hairy moments. It wouldn't surprise me if he went behind him, one or possibly both the games. I mean, to be honest, I kind of think we always need a game like that where we go behind, where we look down the barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I think it was, I listened to someone the other day talking about the City game in Schalke. Um, where they, they were 2 on down with five minutes to go and end up winning 3-2 and someone was saying that kind of win was just what they needed and I kind of think we need that type of win as well that that would almost do us more good than a standard 2 or 3-0 oh, don't tell that to people coming to Alfield on Wednesday night <laughs> <laughs> see I'm, I'm torn because on the one hand I think we will win both but on the other hand the last time we were on this None of my predictions came through <laughs> off the back of that, so yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> jinx it. So, so from that point of view, to not even though I this is not what I think, I'm going to say no. Um, I don't want to jinx it. So, yeah, we won't. We won't. But bra- uh, brackets, we will. <laughs> Looking at the two, I'm really happy that we're playing at the same time as City mm-hmm. right, yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah. because you don't want either playing before them, knowing that we need to win to state up or chasing them you just want to be level kind of thing and yeah hopefully it hasn't happened too often lately. it yeah, doesn't seem yeah, like no. it's going to happen much as the season goes on exactly, but to yeah. actually be playing the same time mind you with the era of modern phones and apps with everyone, yeah, everyone will be what's happening anyway you, you could become counterproductive it's a nightmare to get a signal on Anfield though, isn't it? it's impossible <laughs> well yeah that helps I suppose <laughs> well lads thanks very much for joining us I think we might be back next week with our next view from the cop but let's see where the Reds are in five days Sam top Listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.